it's okay to be a little bit selfish and mad about it. But at the end of the day, it's up to us, I think, to be creative and to make something out of nothing, especially if we have no equipment at home. And I think this is a time that's really unique because as athletes, as lifters, as people who genuinely love to train, we're presented with a unique opportunity to take a step further out of our comfort zone to still work towards adaptations we want, still work on weaknesses that we know are present when we don't have a lot. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today on a special at-home fitness episode of the Barbend Podcast, I talk to Barbend's fitness editor, Jake Boley, about strategies, movements, and workouts you can do to stay strong when stuck at home or anywhere with minimal equipment. We talk about which bodyweight movements can provide the maximum bang for your buck when it comes to hypertrophy, along with how to modify common household items for use as fitness equipment. We also touch on bodyweight workout frequency, modifying bodyweight movements for extra challenges, and how to incorporate mobility into your daily routine when working from home. Also, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. On this very special episode of the Barbed Podcast, which we are recording remotely like most people around the world, I've got our fitness editor, Jake Boley, and we're going to be talking about gains and fitness at home when maybe you can't get access to a gym like a lot of people are facing right now. Jake, the question on everyone's minds, I can't get to the gym, I have to train at home, am I going to lose my gains? Yeah, I mean... I think that's a really loaded question because I think it's how we define gains. And that's a topic I've been talking actually to a lot of my clients about, and they're kind of panicking about it. They're like, oh no, all the progress we've made, we're going to lose it. And I think we all need to accept that, yeah, we are going to lose a little bit of our strength. We're all going to lose a little bit of size if we're not training to the same capacity in which we were before. And a lot of us don't have home gyms. So we're not getting that same neural stimulation on top of what we were loading the muscle and the body with before. So are we going to lose gains? Yes, but I think we can be creative in the sense of how we're using our time efficiently at home and how we're loading the body and try to kind of deter the rate at which we're losing it and just kind of thinking about adaptations in a different way. I think when people say losing gains, they only associate those gains being with strength gains made and not necessarily maybe focusing on stability aspects, cardiovascular aspects, all of things that you can train at home still. Yeah. And I think too, when, when we talk about like losing gains, we're talking about a very elite level of athlete, maybe the competitive power lifter or weightlifter or someone like that. I think for a lot of folks who might not be at that elite level, um, they might not see a decrease in gains at all. In fact, they might actually be able to make gains while they are, you know, training from home, especially if they still have some beginner adaptation left in them. What do you think about that? No, I completely agree. And I think that's a lot of the point of like I've been trying to get across at least hopefully is that <laughs> to, to, to your clients who are upset and just like just coming to you desperately, help, help. Seriously, no, I mean that's I think that's what it really comes down to. And I think 
coaches and trainers could do a better job on social right now and making it known that, hey, like a lot of us aren't going to lose as much as we think. We might have to change our training to a large degree. We might not be able to get that same level of excitement as like a heavy barbell gives us. But at the same time, I don't think we're going to see as much drop off as we think, especially if we get creative with our training. But again, like, like to your point, I mean, if you are a strength athlete and dedicated to one sport, if you're not training that specificity for the sport, then yeah, you are going to lose a little bit. But once you've gotten to that level before, it becomes a lot easier to get back. And you have to remember that the more elite you are, the faster you tend to lose. So Mm -hmm. for those, like you said, who are like meddling around in the beginner or like, let's call them like intermediate phase, they're not going to really lose too much, especially if they're not really dedicated to just one sport. I've seen a lot of coaches online and actually a lot of the content we've been producing on Barbend since a lot of people started going into self-isolation or practicing social distancing is focused on hypertrophy. It's higher rep ranges on body weight movements or things people can do at home. It's a lot of time under tension. You'll see that acronym TUT used a lot. I know it's something you use and your clients and the content you produce. Um, Do you think that we're going to see more and more strength athletes focusing on that at-home hypertrophy work as opposed to you know the progressive overload, lower rep ranges that they might be used to utilizing for like a competition prep cycle. Oh, 100%. And I think that really comes down to just equipment limitation too. Um, yeah, when you have limited ways to externally load the body, hypertrophy is often the first thing that kind of gets segued into because it's like, okay, I know how to get stronger. I know how to get more powerful. I know how to kind of grow. How do I facilitate that if I don't have much equipment? And often when equipment is gone, power and strength kind of go out the window because you need equipment to train those efficiently, especially mm-hmm. if you are more of a, let's call it elite level. So yeah, I think hypertrophy is going to make a big kick. Hopefully we all come out of self-isolation nice and juicy. Well, some people have been saying this actually could be the best thing for some strength athletes when it comes to longevity because people are cooking at home, they're eating healthier, they're better able to track their macros, they're working on hypertrophy and mobility. So everyone's going to come out just like feeling great, having nursed those lagging injuries and just ready to set like a ton of PRs. A year after the age of social distancing, we're just going to see people looking better on the platform than ever. Would you agree with that? Oh, I 100% agree. I mean, Shoot, one of the big things I've been working on now is just working on positional stability. So like, mm. my tight hips limit me in a lot of ways. So doing a lot of like Cossack squat, for example, or Cossack squat, yep. for example, and like lateral lunges and really focusing on being able to create stability in some of these positions that I'm not so friendly with working with, especially when I have a barbell readily available. So I think it's going to force a lot of athletes to finally address areas that they've been neglecting. And it's not that they've been meaning to, and it's not that it's always ignorance, but I do think it's tougher at times to focus on some of these, let's call them like boring aspects of training when you do have a playground of weights in front of you. Well, one thing I want to ask, Jake, you know, you're a competitive powerlifter and you write and have knowledge base, uh, have a knowledge base around across all strength sports, but powerlifting is, you know, what you actively compete in yourself. What are some movements that you are finding yourself going to for at home training, you know, most readily right now? So right now I've been kind of playing around with like assisted isometrics and eccentrics. I think those are super great. And honestly, um, when you only train the big three for so long, you have to be a little bit more creative with your at home workouts because Mm -hmm. 
nothing really is the same. I mean, yeah, we have push-ups, we have squats. Those are similar to squat and obviously put uh, bench press. But when it comes to creating a high, like a high demand on the muscles, how do we do it? Especially if we don't have a barbell. So one of the ways I've been playing around with is having a friend take like a towel or like a pillowcase. And I'll like, let's say like assume like a prone position. So I'll lay flat and then I'll do hamstring curls with them pulling against that. And then I'll do like isometrics where I'm physically holding, like I'm maximally contracting while they're pulling against. And that's been an awesome way to, in my mind to kind of stoke up some of the contraction that I might not be getting from some of the other body weight movements that are unweighted and so forth. So that's one way I've been trying to still match the high demand my body wants and craves, but also just understand that I'm not going to be able to do it in the same way. What are some weighted implements that you've been using around? And you live in New York City, so you might not have as access to as much space as a lot of people who might be stuck at home and might have a full house or something. What are some weighted implements or adaptations you've looked to for resistance when it comes to you know household objects? Uh, totally. So I've uh, I've successfully hoarded seventy cases of toilet paper. So I've just been kind of moving that around the apartment. No, but. <laughs> One of, one, of the fav- one of my favorite ways to create an external load, especially when you don't have equipment like myself, is taking a backpack and just filling it with stuff. For me, mm. it's books. So I can get that thing to like 20-ish pounds, 30-ish pounds, I would guess. And for me, that's pretty good when it comes to like working through tempoed movements or working through unstable positions. Um, that's one way that I think is really easy that everybody can essentially do. Um, obviously if you have lighter human beings around, you can lift them and like people joke about that, but it's actually a pretty great way of externally loading the body in some ways. Um, but yeah, those are my two go-tos, especially if you do not have like weight vests, dumbbells, kettlebells, or any other form of weights laying around. I think one thing that I've seen you reference that is definitely underestimated in just normal training, uh, the Bulgarian split squat. Fill a backpack with some books, oh. find a chair to elevate that rear leg, and do some some real tough high rep sets of Bulgarian split squats. I know it's not a heavy back squat, but it's sure, it's sure going to feel like it the next day, right? Oh, 100%. And also, if you want to kick it up a notch even more, add a tempo and then add a one and a half rep in there. So oh. form that full rep, come up halfway, contract, go back down, and then come back up. I can burn from those from just doing body weight, let alone even loading the body at all. So it's like these little things like that. That's where people can really start to, I think, dive into their creative training brain. And when you have nothing in front of you, but you need to get somewhere, how are you going to do it? And it's using these little tricks that I think are going to make or break a lot of athletes. You're going to see which coaches are willing and able to adapt versus those who kind of just sit in the sand and don't have any idea what to do once they don't have their unlimited risk of resources in front of them. So we know that you know, the squat is something you can do at home with just your body weight or minimal equipment adaptations on leg exercises, the bench press push-ups, variations on push-ups at home dips, using chairs, other implements. It's something we're seeing people produce a lot of content around, but the one muscle group I think people are freaking out more about than any other is the back. How do you work out your back when you don't have a pull-up bar at home? Some people do have pull-up bars. They might have one installed. They might have one of those that you can kind of jimmy into a doorway or something like that, or they might have dumbbells or kettlebells where they can do rows. Let's talk about some strategies for exercising the back musculature with minimal equipment. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, that's that's always, I think, the challenge, especially if you do not have a pull-up bar, which 
stinks because I do not have one either. So some things that I've been doing are um, inverted rows on a table or other stable surfaces that are not going to topple down. Obviously, check to make sure whatever you're performing your inverted row on is stable before doing so. You can have a friend like hold a wobbly desk down and have you do it on the end of that. Or you can do things like grabbing the towel, placing it around like let's say a beam or a banister that's pretty sturdy and doing more of like, let's call them like a TRX inverted row. Mm, yeah. where you lean and you can pull that way. Also, you can find like a tile or hardwood floor that you can slide on, place a towel on the ground. And then what you'll do is you'll lay prone on the ground Bring the chest up slightly, put the hands out in front of you as if you're like making a touchdown kind of platform. And then you'll pull yourself up thinking about really driving those lats down. So like similar to how you do like a rope pull down when you're standing up, trying to focus on a little bit of lat contraction. Obviously, it's not going to be the same as loading up a heavy barbell and performing deadlifts. But those are some ways you can hit the back. You can also try doing like the elbow push up. So when you lay on your back. You drive the elbows down and you squeeze the rhomboids to create a slight lift with the upper back. And if you have another human being, you can perform some form of like good morning or some other form of actually like lifting the human off the ground and doing like some modified RDL or deadlift work. And then if you really want to focus on the glutes and the lower back, you can lay on a more firm surface. I wouldn't recommend using a bed for this, but you can, but doing like a reverse hyper almost and lifting those legs up, causing a nice little contraction in the glutes and lower back. Um, or glutes for that matter, not lower back. But um, yeah, back is tough because if you are limited to weight, there's just there's not so much you can do when trying to match that same load you would get from a barbell and a deadlift. But there are ways you can train around it. I just think it's going to come down to most accepting that if you do train the deadlift a lot and your deadlift is very strong, you're likely going to lose a little bit of strength there, but it will come back once we're out of isolation. Yeah, I, I, when it comes to just a few other ideas, I wanted to throw out for for back workouts. We we actually just published a piece on barbend. Uh, one of our contributors, Jay Polish, had some really really good ideas for how to train the back with minimal equipment at home. I love all the, those ideas you presented, Jake. What I want to throw there or throw out there is, you know, if you're loading a backpack full of books, if you can get it up to 20, maybe 25 pounds, you can do some high rep bent over rows and other kind of back mid back accessories there. Um, potentially, uh, depending on, on how many books you have and the stability or strength of your backpack. Some other ideas that Jay Polish had in this article that we just published on barbed supermans, reverse snow angels. And if you check out the article on barbed, just Google barbed plus reverse snow angels. We'll show you what those are. Cat cows for some T-spine mobility, inchworms. And then another one that I thought was really good uh, that you'll see in a lot of CrossFit classes, but it's something that non-CrossFitters might not be as familiar with, wall walks for good shoulder stability, core activation, and also definitely some some back and lat activation. If you do wall walks under fatigue or if you're doing a high number of reps, you're definitely going to feel uh, that lat and that upper back engagement. So just some more ideas for back exercises at home from contributors over at the Barbend team. Uh, Jake, the next question I kind of wanted to ask you about was workout frequency. If you're not lifting heavy weight, if you're doing more time under tension, high rep, hypertrophy-based, body weight-based workouts at home, is that changing the frequency with which most people will be able to train? Yeah, I think so. And it's it's tough because with body weight training and limited resources, it's tough to kind of gauge, I think, when you are reaching a point of real fatigue or even soreness or like leading into an area that kind of murkies the water of when you should actually take a day of recovery because a lot of these times how intense some of these athletes train or lifters train 
bodyweight training is going to take a sick amount of frequency to get them to the same level. So I think when it comes to frequency, we should all up it a little bit. And this doesn't mean that you're upping your frequency in the sense of how long you usually work out, but maybe just shorter bouts more sporadically throughout the day. You can even do two or three little mini workouts throughout the day just to keep moving, especially if you are homebound. And also upping like two, if you're going to do a little bit more of a longer workout, upping the rate at which you do it. So four or five times a week is usually good, but obviously scale your frequency based on how you're feeling. And if you're feeling run down, if you're feeling excessively sore, take a day of rest, no fault there. But I do think frequency should be upped a little bit just based on the rate in which we're probably going to be loading. If we're not loading as heavily, then I think we could train a little bit more frequently, especially if we are not doing as much throughout our day and we're a little bit more inactive sitting at home working. That makes a lot of sense. Now let's talk about equipment. Obviously we're talking about a lot of these movements as if you have basically no dedicated workout equipment at home. What are some entry level items that people might be able to order for home fitness that might be good to have and that they can build workouts around without breaking the bank? Like what's the first thing if you had a budget of, you know, call it $50 or so you would order to be able to strength train and do some of these hypertrophy workouts at home? 100%. I would order a kettlebell. And for anyone who's going to go looking for one, good luck because Amazon is actually really close to being sold out. I was searching last night, actually, and um, there weren't a lot of options, which is like kind of freaky. I'm sure all the home gym fitness companies are just clapping their hands, like selling out of all their equipment. But kettlebell for sure, because you can do everything you want to do with a dumbbell with a kettlebell for the most part. And you have the added benefit of being able to do swings. You have the added benefit of being able to do bottoms up movements, which is going to work on stabilizers of any movement and so forth. So kettlebell would always be my first bet. And then if you want a dumbbell or a pair of dumbbells would be great or resistance bands, maybe even a weight vest. But I would always go kettlebell is my number one. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that I have a few kettlebells at home and I have uh, a set of dumbbells at home. Weirdly, my dumbbells are 27 and a half pounds. I don't know why I ordered that strange weight increment. They're like not heavy enough to feel like they're heavy, but they're not light enough to like feel light. It's just I, I ordered the wrong weight increment. But yeah, I mean, my 24 kilogram kettlebell is getting a, a lot of lot of work right now. I'm, I'm doing... Even before we we knew we were going into virus lockdown, I, I had challenged myself to do 10,000 kettlebell swings in March. So I'm still keeping at that. And the timing probably couldn't have been better. But yeah, I, I, a few people have reached out to me about, uh, hey, what do you think? Uh, what do you think the one piece of workout equipment I should get is? It's definitely kettlebell before anything else if you're looking for at-home fitness. And the range of movements you can do, I mean, goblet squats, bottoms up work, like you said, rows, swings, snatches, overhead. Um, windmills, my windmill game is getting much better and definitely something I probably should have been working on with a little more frequency than I'm doing now. But yeah, kettlebells. And if you're having trouble finding a kettlebell, we do have some great content on Barbend. If you Google Barbend plus kettlebells or Barbend plus best kettlebells, we have an article that Jake put together about a lot of really good sellers of kettlebells. Um, trying to find the best feature. If you've got, you know, maybe smaller hands, if you've got a floor that isn't the best place to rest an all metal kettlebell, like what are the rubber coated options? So we highlight a few different places you can buy kettlebells, not to guarantee that anything is going to be available because you're, you're definitely right, Jake. A lot of this workout equipment is, uh, is selling out fast. 
Uh, let's talk about mobility a little bit. What is your strategy for addressing uh, and prioritizing mobility during this uh, this period of social distancing? I've been trying to implement some form of mobility like every hour, every hour and a half. And that is like holding a bodyweight squat in the hole for like a couple minutes at a time. I've been trying to work through lateral lunges a little bit more, doing a lot of thoracic mobility. And that's been just because I'm we're 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 internet people, right? We work on the internet all day long. So right. if I sit down all day, like I will be so tight before I go to bed, and then it's just a repeated process for the next day since we don't even know when we're gonna be out of the social isolation. So for mobility work, I've come up with like a string of like three to five movements that I've been trying to do every hour. So I'll get up and I'll do like bodyweight squats, push-ups, something a little bit to get the blood moving. And then once I work through those, I'll do a little bit of mobility work depending on the areas that I feel tight. That's usually around like my pecs from typing all day and then usually around my hip flexors because we sit all day and so forth. So with mobility work, if you want to get extra work in on top of like the extra frequency of bodyweight training, I would say create like a time-focused goal, create a string of three to five movements that you would want to perform and improve on. And then really work on trying to hammer those in. And every time you do them, get a little bit better. And always like it helps you check in with your body too throughout the day and just see how you're feeling and how you're moving. Yeah, definitely a good way to combat some of the uh, tightness and poor positioning that might come from working from home. Well, those are kind of my questions that I had for you, Jake. We wanted to keep this nice and short, a little extra something to get folks motivated who might be stuck at home without equipment and still want to stay active and fit. Anything else you might say to, to that crowd, people who might not be able to go out to the gym right now, people who you know might be a little cloistered up in, in, the, in the age of social distancing, however long that lasts? Yeah, I think the main thing that I have to keep reminding myself and my clients is that it does suck. And it's okay to be a little bit selfish and mad about it. But at the end of the day, it's up to us, I think, to be creative and to make something out of nothing, especially if we have no equipment at home. And I think this is a time that's really unique because as athletes, as lifters, as people who genuinely love to train, we're presented with a unique opportunity to take a step further out of our comfort zone, to still work towards adaptations we want, still work on weaknesses that we know are present when we don't have a lot. So I think this is a really interesting time because one, we don't have an idea of the timeline of the scope of what's going to happen with the social distancing. So that being said, get comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortably stuck inside and time to get creative with your stuff, man. It's, it's, it stinks and it's not ideal, obviously, but what are we going to do? We got to keep moving. We got to keep progressing. Yeah, doing something at home is better, certainly, than doing nothing at home. Jake, thanks so much for joining me. Really, really excited to publish this and continue publishing some at-home and accessible fitness content for folks who are, are really needing it and who might get a lot out of it. So appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. It was a pleasure. 